Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, where we endeavor to bring you on our daily journal the current events from a constitutional and principled perspective, no political spin and no government propaganda. I thought we'd start off today by talking about all the constitutional issues addressed at the Democratic debate last night. Okay, now that we're done with that, let's move on to all the things that Chris Ann wants to talk about uh, instead of the 2020 election. How's that? How about Kevin Durant unloads his oceanfront Malibu home for $12.15 million? To me, that is infinitely more interesting than the 2020 <laughs> election so far, especially since I'm really sad to see that Kevin Durant is going to be leaving um, Golden the Golden, Golden State. That, that makes me sad. Did you see what's happening on Mars? Lights. Global, global warming. Oh. Right? Right? So watch this. Ready? NASA searches for signs of life on Mars and yields another shock. High levels of methane gas. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, right? So now they're looking for all the cows. Right. See, uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez wants to send $47 billion to NASA so they can do a, a, a cow search on Mars to find out where all the methane gas is coming from. Uh, it's probably just a leaking pipe on some concentration camp, actually. <laughs> Well, uh, here's the thing. They detected shockingly high levels of methane, and then they went back and said, um, oops, maybe they're not so high. So now they've, they've done this whole test, and they said, well, we'll go back and do another reading, and there was a dramatic drop in the amount of methane in the air, leaving scientists to wonder what's causing methane plumes on Mars. So maybe it's not the cows. Maybe somebody has, I don't know. Aliens. Two, the aliens had a day where they had too many beans, it's probably, and this now is they're another, back on their regular diet. So this could be another justification for the Space Force? Space Force justification. We need the Space Force to go check it out. We need the Space Force to go to Mars and check out why we have methane plumes on Mars. All right. So we have a holiday coming up. Okay. We have Independence Day coming up, and I just wanted to do a little public service announcement for all of our listeners in the Oklahoma area, Tulsa area, actually. 
They're going to have a handwritten copy of the Declaration of Independence held in Tulsa's Gilcrease Museum. So uh, if you don't ever have a chance to actually get to um, Philadelphia or to Washington, D.C., you can actually go and see the handwritten copy of the Declaration of Independence in Tulsa's Gilcrease Museum. Handwritten by whom? Any idea? Um, someone you're, you're, in the Illuminati, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, you're talking handwritten back then? Yes. Uh, like somebody just copied it yesterday and here's a handwritten copy? Oh, no, no, no. It's not, not like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, who knows who actually handwrote? You know, I mean, it could be expertly, you know, hmm. copied. There could be copies made. Uh, by some Illuminati person that changed the wording slightly and changed the course of history. You need me to get you some more coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had any coffee today. Mm. Maybe, maybe some crazy scientist went back in time and rewrote the Declaration of Independence to undermine some corporation. Anyway, so uh, also in interesting historical news... What I really wanted to talk about today, a history lesson. By the way, before we get off of that, we do have this Independence Day uh, holiday coming up. And I want to remind everybody that uh, it's not 4th of July. Number one, everybody on the globe who runs by the Roman cal calendar has a 4th of July. We celebrate Independence Day, which did not occur on the 4th of July. It occurred on July 2nd, 1776. So here on the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, we will be celebrating Independence Day, July 2nd, the day that our founders expected us to celebrate July, uh, the Independence Day. So if you have questions about that, make sure that you tune in on Independence Day and we'll have a little history discussion on how that uh, is Independence Day and July 4th is not. But I'm sure all of you have fingers or at least have voice ability to Google, so I'm sure by then you can find out as well. But nonetheless, we're going to have a great history channel session on, on um, Independence Day, July 2nd. So this is something that's very interesting in the news, and I think, JC, it opens up the avenue for a good history lesson today. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this, not only because it's a newly found lost letter from Thomas Jefferson, uh, and that it's sold for $80,000. By the way, JC, if you're watching us on, on YouTube, this is the entire letter. It's just simply a one-paragraph letter uh, written to in in recognition for the fact note. it's a thank you note, right? To thank the Bunker Hill Monument Association for uh, honoring Jefferson with an honorary membership to the society. Cool. And this was uh, written in 18 uh, July. I, July 21st, 1826, not long before Jefferson passes away. And, oh, I'm sorry, 1825, not 1826, because he died in 1826. 
And so um, the letter is very interesting because of the history behind Bunker Hill. And he says, I'm very thankful to the Bunker Hill Monument Association for the honor they have done me in electing me an honorary member of the institution. The occasion, uh, which is the first great battle of the revolution, which has given birth to it, forms an epic in the history of mankind. Well, worthy of the splendid ceremonies with which it first, uh, with which its first stone was lately laid and consecrated. And so I wanted to talk today about the Battle of Bunker Hill because there are articles, this is actually, I uh, found this in a Fox News article, and there are mainstream articles that are carrying this, but they're not carrying the full history, which should not shock us in any way, shape, or form. And so Jefferson goes on to say, the coincidence of circumstances too was truly fortunate, which permitted it to be laid by the hand of one so illustrious in his participation and toils, which followed, oops, I got to move this. And dangers, which followed With, the event, it sig signalizes. It signalizes, yes. So the Marquis de Lafayette helped lay the monument? Right. Cool. Yeah, he did a great big tour throughout the United States at that time, and he helped um, make this monument uh, dedication a very special day. Mm -hmm. And so there's also a very important person that is not being covered, because it, the articles that I read went through the history of the Battle of Bunker Hill, um, actually the fact that we lost the Battle of Bunker Hill, that... Uh, but the, the significance was that the British lost more people than they expected. Did they lose more people than us? I don't. I think the, the loss was the fact of having to retreat and give up mm -hmm. position. But it was it was a battle that the losses uh, shocked was shocking uh, to the British mm -hmm. and put them on notice that they were in a serious struggle. So it was a big, big deal. So you have, you have a course on uh, LibertyFirstUniversity.com, um, the road to what did you call it? I forget the Hot name. Hotspots to the road. Hotspots to the road of to re revolution. To revolution, where you cover a lot of these events, and I want to encourage everybody to go to Liberty First University and start on those hot spots to the road of revolution. And that's why I wanted to talk about this, JC, because this, this is important for more reasons than just simply the uh, than, than Lafayette. And I'm hoping that we can get into a little bit of a history presentation day to supplement what the mainstream media is lacking in our understanding of this bit of history. So the Battle of Bunker Hill was, was the first great battle of our revolution. And it came to uh, an end that some people say, well, not really that great for America. But it really, and in, even in George Washington's perspective, it was something that, that encouraged and sparked our soldiers in this war 
because it gave them a, a spark of inspiration, say, hey, maybe we can beat the most powerful military in the world. Remember, the, the, the saying was the sun never set on the British Empire. They were seen as the largest military, the strongest military force on the planet at the time. And here we are, a bunch of colonial uh, farmers and ranchers and businessmen. Preachers. Preachers, men, women, with the unction to stand for liberty against the most powerful force on the planet at the time. So when we get back from the break, we're going to uh, get into this little history lesson. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. Uh, with my husband and co-host JC Hall. Remember, if you are enjoying this history lesson that we're teaching you today, if you want to learn more American history, please make sure that you go to libertyfirstuniversity.com and you sign up and teach. Now, we have students all over America, all over the world, actually. I have, we have a couple international students, and they are of all ages all uh, education, sixth grade to PhD in American history. That's libertyfirstuniversity.com. We have law students, JC. We have law students who are students at Liberty First University and uh, .com because they want to be able to know what they're not being taught and they want to be able to actually be part of a discourse that might bring truth back into the law schools. Right. So we have uh, the Battle of Bunker Hill, Thomas Jefferson's little thank you note written on July 21st, 19, I'm sorry, 1826, to thank them for the honor of making him an honorary member. It's, it's funny the way Jefferson writes, he's such a humble guy. And he's so grateful for this honor. And he says, uh, while I gratefully accept the honor, uh, the honorable association, he says, I, I fear that, you know, my age and my distance will keep will make me a very uh, invaluable or a very useless member. Basically, he's like, I'm not going to be able to do much, but I don't uh, I don't not appreciate what you've done for me. And so. Um, Bunker, the Battle of Bunker Hill, uh, we have a very important patriot who causes the change of events, really, at the Battle of Bunker, Bunker, Bunker Hill. His name is Peter Salem. And Peter Salem is an African-American soldier from Massachusetts. And he was actually born a slave. And what I learned is that uh, he was freed by his late master to serve 
<clears throat> excuse me, in the local militia. There's a there's a, a portion of American history that people are not taught that the states had a provision that said if you're a slave and you want to fight for our independence for our liberty then you can be now a free man forever. And this was one of the first steps that we took in defiance. Remember in defiance of Great Britain because Great Britain was forcing slavery on the American colonies by law. There's, there's a famous quote that we talk about in the class, America, uh, Slavery and the America's Founders on Liberty First University, where George Mason talks about how Virginia tried, as a colony, tried to outlaw the uh, institution of slavery several times. But Great Britain threatened the colony of Virginia, not simply with economic sanctions, but with military force if they stopped, uh, if, if they made slavery an outlaw. Most people don't realize that, that slavery was a, a merchant, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm trying to talk about here, that, an economic provision of Great Britain. They made lots and lots and lots of money off slavery as, a, as an economic import, and they were not willing to let the American colonies deprive them of that, of that economic benefit. And so, um, JC, tell us uh, what you remember from your more than victims class uh, teaching the people. I want to talk a little bit about this more than victims class today. Highlight for us, not just simply Peter Salem, but the men who, who made our revolution, Washington would talk about Peter Salem in such a way that said without his heroics, the entire Bunker Hill would have been different. So what did, what did Peter Salem do? Well, he was, again, a black patriot. He fired the shot that killed Major Pitcairn uh, at the Battle of Bunker Hill. The British lost a lot of officers that day and and as you said before a lot of troops more than Americans they lost a, a ton of uh, people and so even though they captured the area you know their purpose was to control the, the harbor Boston Harbor and uh, Charleston but he was instrumental in taking out, you know, one of the leaders and rallying a portion of the troops that day. Well, we'll talk more when we come back. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry around You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. In Defense of Liberty, training that will not only give you handgun accuracy and precision, we do firearms training with automatic weapons, or well, semi-automatics. And we do training on the Constitution, the right to keep and bear arms. All of this uh, training, top-notch. You don't want to miss it. Go to chrisannhall.com, click on the In Defense of Liberty banner, and learn more. The gr I think the best firearms trainer that we have available to us in America today, Larry Stevenson, also known as the Bearded Black Cowboy, 
who also trains. You always remember this. Who does who does Larry train? Tonto and Boone. Tonto and Boone. The guys. What is okay? So for those who don't know Tonto and Boone. So they're a couple of survivors of Benghazi, Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I'm at liberty to say a lot, but apparently, according to what Larry said, they saw his training and pretty much asked him personally to train them because yeah. they were so impressed. Uh, you know, they, they said they'd never seen some of the stuff he was doing and never seen that before. So anyway, he knows what he's doing. So he knows what he's doing. And you can join us in uh, August for training from uh, the Bearded Black Cowboy and also some constitutional training, Liberty First University style. So the Battle of Bunker Hill, June 17, 1775, a hero steps out into the forefront, changes in, in Washington's perspective, changes, potentially changes the entire course of the American Revolution and sets a pace uh, of encouragement for our troops. So, so start off again. The Battle of Bunker Hill was, um, you, you had said that the British lost a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, troops, officers. Troops and officers, yep. I think the, the loss of the officers is sometimes yeah, very, very significant. Def- definitely a big deal for the British. And, and as like you said earlier, you know, it was kind of a uh, sense of hey we I think we can take these guys you know right right so it was we're farmers we're ranchers we're businessmen we're former slaves we're men we're women you know yeah we we can do this we can beat this military that looks like a military force yeah and I think it was more about positioning and strategy as far as why you know why they lose the territory because uh, like you say it was just a different different uh, band a different group of people at that that time. Uh, I don't, it seems like it what maybe wasn't quite as organized, you know, the forces weren't as organized at that point. Uh, and so they lost the territory, but I mean, I kind of, I look at it as a victory. I yeah. mean, you know, you take out most of their guys, it was more like a guerrilla warfare kind of deal going on. And, um, you know, so it served, a, it served a larger purpose, but uh, you reminded me, St. Peter Salem fought and and was freed for fighting in the in the revolution. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true of another black patriot we talk about in the course, Eleanor Eldridge. Right. Uh, Who is a woman? Yeah. So Eleanor she, Eldridge. <laughs> so her father did the same thing, and mm-hmm. so she ended up actually she was born as opposed to Peter Salem. She was born free. She was born a free black uh, citizen. Because her father fought in the the war for independence. Correct. And so she became uh, a wealthy real estate entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just one of those examples of how, it, particularly in light of the nonsensical discussion of reparations these days. Right. You, you know, adds, adds one of those elements where you had that lady's father being a slave but who fought in the revolution, gained his freedom from, from there forward, all of his descendants were free. And, and it was actually, it was because of uh, that arrangement that, that he was able to enjoy that gave his daughter a basis for prosperity. Right. And so 
you know, there's a that's just one example of many things that throws uh, throws that argument off kilter when you start talking about reparations for slavery. Right, because who I mean, who gets reparations at this point? Yeah, and you're so far down the line. Uh, when when is the cutoff date? And and you know you your family is uh, actual descendants from an actual slave right. who fought in the Civil War. Right. And the question then becomes, what what is the criteria then? Yeah, question very So you have like is, blood quantum or yeah. something like that? Because it certainly can't be skin color. When you went to the, the honoring of your, was it great-great-grandfather mm-hmm. in Kentucky, uh, establishing an honor to those soldiers in the Civil War there, there were people who had lots of melanin in their pigment who found out through DNA, their own admission, the DNA testing, that they had no African in them at all. If I remember correctly, there was a story, I believe it was at the University of Virginia, the head of African studies at University of Virginia, I think was the university. Uh, He did his DNA test, discovered that he was head of black black studies and mm-hmm. you know lived I'm quote unquote a black man all my life kind of thing and then did his DNA there was no African ancestry in his lineage his skin color came from Native American and a combination of Native American and Asian um, so so yeah it's it's a, some of the questions come up if you think about and and I ask this in these discussions all the time very simply who receives reparations. Right. Very simple question. Uh, I've yet to hear anybody answer this question. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. And to tie it back to slavery, because if if I would say this is what I want to do, I want to take pictures of. I wanted to take a picture of my cousin Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe um, uh, Mark, and then me, and mm-hmm. then Angie. Right. Right. So right. you have, uh, and 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 maybe Sinead. Because right. she's, she's probably the darkest. Yes. So you have the whole range of shades of color, right? Right. <laughs> including me. All in your family. Including <laughs> me and Angie, who are who look like white people, right? You right. would say that's a white guy and a white girl, and then Mark and Michelle are fairly light mm-hmm. skinned, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to post put all those pictures together and ask these guys, okay, which one of these people receives reparations for slavery? Yeah, that's a great question because they all come from the same They all lineage. share the very same <laughs> great-great-grandfather. Right, exactly. Every single person, mm-hmm. right? So there's never a direct, a direct answer. And so if you say, well, only the brown people, then that's not about slavery. No, because that's what about, about skin color? That's about skin How color. How can you tie that to slavery, right? Because they're descendants of slaves. And, and they would well, say, what about the Irish slaves and the, the there were English Chinese. slaves, the Chinese slaves? Are we? Yeah, you can I go mean, on you and can't, on. You, as Another a matter of fact, is, when when we teach America, uh, uh, slavery in the Americas fa- uh, founders at Liberty First University, we actually bring in the the real history. We're not slavery deniers, by the way, because that's that would be stupid. But we actually bring in the history, number one, that the very first slaves brought to America were were Irish and Englishmen. 
The, the poor people of Ireland and England, sometimes children actually kidnapped, you know, like human trafficking, brought here as slaves. And then we also cover the fact that this, this complicates the situation. What about people who were black slave owners? Yeah, that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I'm, you just did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to So, that. but I, I, the one question, one comment that comes up about, you know, well, it was only a certain percentage of people that own uh, slaves, mm -hmm. right? And I don't remember what people say, 1% or 3% or whatever. And I did the math the other day because one guy goes, you know, sort of, ah, that's a stupid comment. How can, how can 1 million slaves be owned by 1% uh, of the population? So I did the math. Yeah. That, that, that means that 30,000 people would have to own 25 slaves. Yeah. Okay, many, there were plantations with upwards of, of 200 or some thousand slaves, right? Right. If you had 100 slaves, that's, that's a lot. Right. So, so very easily a million slaves could be owned by, I think it's 1% of the people. Right. So, you know, but people see, oh, 1%, right, that's a small number. Yeah. Okay, million slave, that's a big number. Mm -hmm. But the two different things, 1% right. of, of 3 million people. Right. Okay, so 25 slaves per slave owner, and some slave owners own much more than that. Right. Okay, so then you have people with one slave, two slaves, whatever. But well, why I was saying this you, ties to what mm -hmm. you're mentioning. There was a couple of black slave owners in particular that I that I know. One, I think, had 90-some-odd slaves. Another one had, I think, 63. That is a huge amount of, of, of slaves, mm -hmm. right? So then who pays that? Right. So you talk about reparations. Does the descendants of that black slave owner, right. are you just going to give them reparations because of their skin color? Even though they they're not descendants of slaves, they're yeah. descendants of a slave owner. Right. Yet here I am. I don't have that skin color. I'm not the descendant of a slave owner. I'm the descendant of a slave. Right. So this entire reparations uh, discussion uh, is idiotic. And by the way, I don't I don't think people make much of it, and it's it's like gaining uh, noise. It's never going to happen because right. of those complications. They're because way it is too absolutely unworkable. Right. It can't be done. Right. So I, it's almost I, I, I talk to people about it because it's interesting because I want to hear how they think and mm -hmm. how they answer these questions and then make them think about what they're saying. But then on the one hand, I, I, part of me says, why are you even in these discussions? Because it's a total pipe dream that's never going to happen. It's just used to divide people. So what is the point? Right. Well, and that is the whole purpose of of these kinds of discussions by the politicians is to create even greater division between the people. Let me mention this last thing because something people you know people make up memes, fabricate memes and different things to, to no really support these arguments. People but, lie on social media. Yeah. So there's this picture <laughs> of a of a table that some not kitchen table, but a, a table of figures that people, somebody made up, mm -hmm. you know, and talking about how much reparations has been given to the Indians and this, this group and that group. Uh, it's, it's in fact not true. That's tied to land, the purchase of land from a tribe. And then with the Japanese, it was about particular individuals in internment camps and their children. 
I want to talk about that when we come back because that's a very interesting point. I'm a long, long way from my home and I'm going to change all the things I find. The Chris Ed Hall Show. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband, JC. This is our last segment of today's show. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, t- I, I want to talk about this reparations thing, but I, I really wanted to mention um, one of my favorite black American founders. And the reason that I wanted to mention him is, is his name comes up in the Battle of Bunker Hill. And it's his name is actually Lafayette. And I want you to tell people about this particular Lafayette and how he got his name and why he's important. I don't think that we I think that we need to take these opportunities to bring to the forefront this hidden history. It's it's really terrible that you have this event that's, you know, Jefferson's letter that sparks this new interest in the Battle of Bunker Hill, but you have no mention of Peter Salem. You have now a little history lesson on the, Demar- uh, the Marquis de Lafayette and, and no, nothing else. Yeah, so people should go to chrisannhall.com, go mm-hmm. to the shop and buy the More Than Victims DVD. Is that uh, one available on download America's yet? America's Hidden Black Heritage. Uh it may be one of the ones that are available. It will be available okay. in digital downloads. We are doing certain. digital downloads. On we're working on creating digital downloads at Liberty First University dot, uh, and at the the uh, Chris Ann Hall store. So DVDs, you can just instead of DVD, you can just download. So you you can learn in that class about James Armistead Lafayette, who you're mentioning, mm-hmm. uh, black patriot. I like him. He's who a took spy. took the name Lafayette after the Marquis de Lafayette, but he was one of the first. Uh, spies for the American Revolution actually operated when working as a double agent. Mm-hmm. So he kind of embedded himself with the British, and uh, you know, taking the 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 playing the role of the slave uh, helper. He could move in and out, you know, the kitchen work and different things like that, and and just listen practically unnoticed. His superpower was invisibility. Yeah. So uh, so anyway. He, uh, he was instrumental in undermining the work of Benedict Arnold uh, and, and um, the British forces. And that's one, you know, one thing about Benedict Arnold people don't understand. Again, we talk about this in the, in the DVD uh, about how significant a military leader he was and how well-respected he was of the troops. And so it was a, it was a really big deal. And uh, the Marquis de Lafayette, on his tour that you mentioned, mm-hmm. As he was going around, spotted uh, James Armistead Lafayette uh, later, and mm-hmm. comes down off of his horse and embraces him out of the crowd. And so the Marquis de Lafayette, he didn't. Um, James Armistead didn't just simply assume his name. Uh, the Marquis de Lafayette was actually a fan yeah, well, of he Armistead. Worked so of, he worked. He worked with him, mm-hmm. one of his aides, and. Um, and obviously loved him enough to to leave his procession. Yeah, that's I mean that's a pretty amazing compliment. Can you imagine the um, 
I don't know, the president of the United States in a procession than jumping out of his car and running over and hugging somebody standing in the crowd? I mean, that was a huge compliment. Yeah, I think this history is an important counter to that reparations uh, talk today right. because the whole reparations discussion uh, is seated in this division of separating black America from their own country right. and looking at America as this is someone else's history, this is someone else's nation, uh, like in that silly show Timeless, you know, you didn't choose to be here, you know, this is not your place, you were forced to be here, that sort of thing. And, and so you can make your make America hated by the black community, therefore America must pay us, pay us back for its atrocities and what have you. And 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 that 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 separateness is why these people are not taught that right. that black patriots and black Americans played a role, a major role in many instances in uh -huh. in gaining independence, in building this nation, in right. making this nation great. And and so that's kind of the battle that you see. That yes, there's slavery. Yes, there were atrocities to slavery, uh, but black Americans were not simply slaves. That's not all they were. They're many well, great heroes that, JC, that we should remember. We have uh, in our America, Slavery in the America's Founders class the, the proof that that the spark for independence was driven by a, a need, one of the sparks for independence was driven by the need to separate from Great Britain so we could end slavery in America. Why would America be to blame uh, for an institution that they went to war to end? And so we need to get these facts to the forefront and we need to start publishing them. Speak truth, take back the narrative. God bless, we'll see you guys next time.